So what does this mean for our financial system? Well, if you ran a big bank, you'd be very concerned about this. Once the government announces they can zero out people's bank balances, if they don't like their Twitter feeds, people tend not to trust banks. You could get bank runs. They understand that. There's a lot of volatility ahead. This is a scary moment. Marty Ben is the founder of Tales from the Crypt, a Bitcoin podcast. He joins us tonight to explain. Marty, thanks so much for coming on. I don't think I've ever seen anything like this. And it's easy to you know, play the tape of people getting run over by horses. But the idea they could just seize your digital currency strikes me as a very big deal. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, Tucker. But yes, they can only seize your digital currency or Bitcoin if you're holding it on an exchange like you right. like you mentioned. It's much harder for them to seize it if you're in control of your Bitcoin by holding your own private keys, which is the beauty and the importance of Bitcoin as a monetary revolution. It allows you to actually control your money. It is a digital bearer instrument. It is digital cash. So as long as people are taking control of their own private keys, it's, it's significantly harder to uh, stop the spread of Bitcoin and prevent people from sending transactions. So that's without getting too technical here, and thank you for saying that. Um, so the, the promise of cryptocurrency is still in place that you can operate transactionally without government oversight. How complicated is it not to use an exchange but to hold the keys for yourself? Could the average person do something like that? Yeah, it's very easy. I mean, there's plenty of mobile apps that you can go download, uh, whether it be Blue Wallet, Green Wallet. You can find those in your iOS stores or Android apps. These are open source wallets that anybody can download and easily create private keys, send their, their Bitcoin from an exchange directly to a wallet. They can back up their wallet with 12 words that if they were able to memorize them, theoretically, they could walk around with their Bitcoin in their heads. Um, so it's, it's very simple to, to access the software that enables you to take control of your, of your Bitcoin and, and actually custody it yourself. God, I mean, you got to think if they're zeroing out people's bank accounts for political reasons, there's going to be a rush to cryptocurrency. I mean, in, in one sentence, do you expect that? Do you expect crypto to become more popular after this? Oh, uh, I, I think certainly we've seen the actions by the Canadian government uh, wake people up like, oh, if they can do this to our bank accounts uh, for protesting about civil liberties, like how, how far will, will they go to, to stop us from transacting uh, using the traditional system? And so I think over the last few weeks, people are really beginning to recognize the beauty uh, of Bitcoin and the utility it provides as a distributed network that nobody can control as long as you're controlling your own Bitcoin and you have those words written down secured, uh, you, you have the, the freedom to control your money. Which is, uh, it turns out, the core freedom. Now that's Marty Bent and Tucker Carlson with a timeless clip there on the importance of being able to control your money. That is the core freedom. And Bitcoin is uncensorable and unconfiscatable at its core, which is incredibly powerful. It is the ultimate private property that no one can take away from you. But with great power comes great responsibility, a responsibility to hold your own keys. An overwhelming majority of people are buying their Bitcoin from Bitcoin exchanges. Things like Stripe, Cash App, Swan, River, or perhaps they're getting it from one of the many shitcoin casinos out there. And while that's fine, just make sure you're taking control of your own private keys. Because in the eyes of the Bitcoin network, if you're not holding your private keys, you don't have any Bitcoin. Hence the phrase, not your keys, not your coins. Without access to the private keys, it is merely an IOU. The exchange owns your private keys, therefore they own your Bitcoin. So today we sat down with Cam Stromy, business development at Unchained Capital. They are a phenomenal Bitcoin financial services company, making it incredibly easy for you to get the most from your Bitcoin while holding your own keys, which is the most important part. They'll give you peace of mind with their concierge onboarding. They'll get an expert one-on-one -on -one with you to walk you through the entire process to hold your hand. They have collaborative custody options, whether you're an individual looking to level up your security game or you're a business that need a multi-signature vault with different permissions for different business partners. They have you covered. Additionally, there's financial services. You can buy Bitcoin and store it securely. There's Bitcoin loans. So you can access liquidity without actually having to sell your Bitcoin. 
And then they also have Bitcoin IRAs. So you can save Bitcoin and self-custody on a tax-advantaged basis. So just a really awesome company doing great things for the space, raising the bar for Bitcoin self-custody, making people comfortable doing it, getting the Bitcoin off of the exchanges, getting them into the hands of the people, because at the end of the day, this movement is all about the people. It's a grassroots, bottom-up movement, not top-down, and it's up to each and every one of you. Enjoy. Hello, hello. Welcome back to another episode of the B-Commerce Podcast, your gateway to the Bitcoin circular economy. I'm Michael Atwood, and as always, I'm joined by John Burnett. Hey, how you doing? Hey, hey. And today we have a special guest. We have Cam Stromy, uh, head of business development. Well, business development. I guess Parker is the, the head of business development <laughs> at <Yeah>. Unchained Capital. <laughs> How's it going, Cam? Doing great, Michael. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. Good job. How you doing? Good to have you. Good. <laughs> yeah. So guys, all right. So we just wanted to dive in a little bit today about the importance um, as individuals as well as business owners to hold their own keys and what exactly that means. Um, so I want to kick it over to you, Cam, just kind of right away. Uh, what do you do at Unchained and, and how are you how are you helping people achieve that? Sure. So the the most important thing we do is to help people hold their own Bitcoin keys. So when people value that, then we make everything else in their life easy. We provide other financial services around that. So whether it be uh, our trading desk where people can buy and sell Bitcoin, uh, both as individuals or businesses, or take out a loan. Um, you know, a lot of businesses really like having that opportunity to, just like as it was individuals, to be able to continue to retain that Bitcoin, but then receive U.S. dollars very quickly, you know, within one to two days. Um, and we know the loan process can take a lot longer in, for more traditional loans. Um, for individuals, we offer IRAs. But again, really the core of what I'm doing is really helping to educate people about why they should hold their own Bitcoin keys, why it's not as scary as they think. Um, and it really boils down to the fact that there's just no substitute for holding your own keys, right? It's like you can't pay someone more money and have that Bitcoin be more secure. If someone else is holding your Bitcoin keys, necessarily there's more risk being taken on there. It, you, your Bitcoin is not as secure as it can be because now you've introduced counterparty risk. So really the, the way we've designed Unchained is helping people, helping business owners, individuals hold their own Bitcoin keys, but in a way they're not going to lose it because a lot of times, you know, the initial conversation, something like, well, you know, I'm not, I understand a little bit about Bitcoin. I've been in it six months or a year, but I would just would not be comfortable taking on that responsibility by myself. It is a big responsibility. That's why Unchained helps out with that. And then we'll talk a little bit more about the specifics, but it's really kind of bridging the old world of letting a bank hold all your assets and then the new world where you can take self-ownership, uh, self-custody, bridging that gap, making clients feel comfortable. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and that's the the very critical differentiation. Like it's not so that, you know, you don't have to hold your own Bitcoin keys, although you should. But just the fact that you have the ability to do so is is paramount. Like that is yep. an incredible difference between the Bitcoin, you know, monetary network, financial system, and the traditional legacy financial system. Uh, so I definitely want to zoom in a little bit on that here soon. Um, but, you know, you were talking about your other financial services. Like, you know, let's say as a business owner, you start accepting Bitcoin payments or, you know, or however you're procuring it. Maybe it's on your balance sheet or whatever, whatever you want to do. Um, but, you know, if you were to sell that for dollars, maybe you'll get hit with a bunch of different capital gains stuff. But there are ways in which you can leverage your Bitcoin assets, uh, your Bitcoin, and receive U.S. dollar loans uh, without actually having any of that tax burden so you can grow your business without actually even getting rid of that Bitcoin. Care to elaborate just a touch on that? Yes, absolutely. So we were actually the first uh, Bitcoin-backed lender uh, back in 2017. So we, we Unchained Capital was launched in 2016, issued our first Bitcoin-backed loan for U.S. dollars in 2017. And the structure in which we provide these loans is still unique. There's still no one else that has uh, copied this model, which honestly surprises me because um, it seems uh, 
that this will be the larger the way that loans are issued in the future is some structure similar to this, where the Bitcoin is held in a separate multi-signature address and three parties control uh, one unique key each that controls that Bitcoin. So, of course, Unchained Capital holds one of the three keys. We've got a third party key holder, a firm in New York, Citadel SPV, that holds a second key. And then uh, the, our clients themselves get to hold one of the keys. So what's beautiful about that is like our clients can actually cryptographically verify that, hey, I posted Bitcoin as collateral for this loan. That collateral is not moving. It's not being rehypothecated. It's held in cold storage by three different keys geographically separated. Um, and then also the title of that Bitcoin stays in our client's name. So it's extremely advantageous. We designed it to be the most transparent and the most secure way that clients could borrow against their Bitcoin. Which to me is like, that's the whole point of taking out the Bitcoin loan, right? You want to take out the loan because you don't want to lose your Bitcoin. If you wanted to lose your Bitcoin, you would have just sold the Bitcoin for dollars, taken the tax hit. But you want, in this case, you're saying, hey, I want to hold on to my Bitcoin. So let me put it into a loan. Well, that loan better be secure. Like, but I think, unfortunately, people in the last few months had to learn some really hard lessons at Celsius and Voyager and all these other platforms, right? Where they're thinking, oh, wow, I'm getting these really low rates, interest rates on these loans. Well, that's because of all the risk that's being taken. Those firms are taking that collateral, just like all the traditional institutions do, lending it out to other parties, oftentimes to short sellers, to market makers. Um, tremendous amount of risk is being taken there. But I think even worse for our clients, it, when when you're sending it to a BlockFi or competitor like that, or, or to someone who's rehypothecating the loans, the loan collateral, you're not even able to assess the risk that's being taken. You're just kind of sending your Bitcoin into a black box and then hoping that at the end of the term of that loan, you're getting that back. And Unchained's view has been that because Bitcoin is finite in supply and it's a bearer asset, it has unique properties. We can't treat it the same way in a loan structure that you would any other asset. You fundamentally have to reimagine how you're going to issue loans against it. And in our opinion, this is the most secure way to do it. Yeah, you guys have been trailblazers in this. You guys have been doing this since, for was it 2017 or how long? Have you so been 2017, doing? yeah, for five years now. Yeah, before anybody that was even in on anyone's radar hardly, you guys were like Bitcoin only pretty much the whole yeah. way. I know for a moment you guys were like looking at other things just because that's that was 2017. But you guys decided, nope, Bitcoin, <laughs> Bitcoin only. It's, it's incredible. So I've only been, I can't take credit for that. I've only been an Unchained for a year and a half. Although, you know, it's funny. It seems like dog years, right? It seems like I've, I've had the chance to be here for quite a bit longer. But um, Joe Kelly and Drew Bonsall started the company in 2016. But yeah, the foresight back then was incredible to say, hey, Bitcoin is a thing. In 2018, they did experiment with offering Ethereum-backed loans, which really would then just help cement the focus of Bitcoin only. Because it was quite a bit earlier back then, right? It was it was kind of a couple of things like responding to what they perceived was some market demand and trying to be pragmatic. But then the problems they ran into were enormous. Just trying to uh, have a Bitcoin Ethereum node uh, run 24-7 to they created a proprietary uh, security model that would replicate multisig because multisig is, of course, native to Bitcoin, doesn't exist in Ethereum. So just a whole host of problems didn't last uh, less than a year and uh it, we've been Bitcoin only for the majority of the firm. Yeah, that's incredible. And perhaps um, maybe we could we could zoom in a little bit more on this multi-sig, just to touch more. And you know, maybe you and John can talk a bit yep. uh, about that. <laughs> yeah, my uh, my business is an Unchained customer, and uh, we've been very happy. I've actually had the pleasure of experiencing the beauty of multi-sig because I actually lost a key and the words. And, uh, you know, that's a, a big problem usually. Um, but multi-sig for me, if we zoom out on multi-sig, it's like, for one, it's you can hold your own keys. Um, but there's also this other element that popped into my mind where, you know, with me and my partner, we have very solid agreements. We have a great relationship. Um, but then multi-sig kind of brings in a mechanical element to where you don't need to rely on all of that. And because typically, if you don't have a good relationship in business, then 
you're heavily reliant on documents, which then the enforcement mechanism would go to a court system, which is costly and cumbersome if it even works at all. And so uh, for me, I started thinking about multi-sig as a basically a digital mechanical agreement consensus enforcement mechanism, which can be super powerful. And uh, I think largely it's talked about, rightly so, with you know, how do you hold your own keys with, uh, you know, just multiple people involved, but it's actually uh, kind of taking over a lot of what we would otherwise write into operating agreements. And I thought that was really fascinating. So it's, it's given me a lot to think about. Yeah, that's a really interesting way to put that. Like you, and then that's the case with a lot of business owners I speak with too, or work with, like they do have a high level of trust with their partners. Um, but it's never 100%, right? And then now with Bitcoin, we have that ability to not have to trust, but to verify. Um, so what we're doing on chain, we provide a two of three multi-sig where three keys are controlling the Bitcoin. Our clients hold two and then Unchain holds one as the backup. And then two keys are required to move the Bitcoin. So John, you and your, your partner have each have a unique key. Unchained has one. No one can move that Bitcoin unilaterally. It's a beautiful thing. You guys can are always in control where you can sign with your two keys and move the Bitcoin whenever you want, 24 um, seven. If you, like you said, when you lost a the key, then Unchained, we can, you know, we stepped in, helped you to replace that key, no problem. Um, if, you know, let's say we get this a lot too, where maybe a business, one of the partners is on vacation um, and he's on the beach for a week and he has said like, uh, then the co, uh, his partner who's back in the office can sign with his key and her key and then request Unchained to be the co-signer. So another really kind of a useful service for business owners. So basically, um, I guess, you know, we, I've talked with a lot of businesses, uh, a lot of business owners and, you know, predominantly, you know, I'm not reaching out to these big corporations. Uh, you know, they can kind of figure that out on, on their own and they do so very, very, very slowly. Maybe they're not ready for this. You know, what I'm seeing is predominantly small and medium sized businesses are the ones that are really putting their foot forward and going, you know, I want to I'd like to start accepting Bitcoin or add some to my balance sheet, my own you know, corporate treasury. Um, and then, you know, if they're accepting it as a business, one of the first uh you know, after we get kind of the basics out of the way, one of the first like big questions they, they ask is, well, where does the Bitcoin go? And I go, well, sometimes like we actually have them roll it over into their own wallet. Sometimes we have the payment provider actually custody that Bitcoin for them uh, temporarily. But we're always trying to kind of shepherd them to the way of, hey, like ultimately, though, the whole point of this is to hold your own keys. Now, most of them don't understand that at this moment, but there's an, there's an importance in that. But furthermore, that's always really scary. They're a bit apprehensive about it, like you touched on earlier. Um, but the, the the thing is, like, you can have the the helping hand. You guys have a white glove concierge service. Now, you don't have to be a business owner. You can be somebody with a hundred dollars of Bitcoin that just wants to do it right. You could be, or you could be a corporate entity. Um, what what are some of your experiences, maybe working with some of these small businesses, their concerns, and, and so on? Sure. Yeah, that's really our whole business. Uh, our business's mission is really to help people who are either brand new to Bitcoin or really anywhere along that spectrum. But it's mostly people who are brand new or fairly new to Bitcoin, helping them go right into private key ownership. Like a lot of businesses I work with, they, they haven't held Bitcoin before. We're helping them to buy their first Bitcoin and, and to start right off the gate holding Bitcoin keys. And that feels beautiful when you can help people to bypass Coinbase, the, the traditional path. Uh, and we do that, of course, on an individual basis as well. But so the, really the way we affect that is by having multiple teams, like you mentioned, provide that white glove service and be there for all stages of uh, the, the client's interaction with us. So my team in the front end, helping folks to understand keys at a high level, why it's important, what are the trade-offs with all the various uh, modalities of custody. Um, because like you said, the, this what we were offering here is if you're looking to hold a material amount of Bitcoin and hold it for the long term, then you want to invest the time and effort to go through this process. If it's a little, it's a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, then uh, you know, a mobile app is just fine. Um, so we've got our uh, our team, the, the client solutions team. We've got a concierge onboarding team, which is filled with some of the most technical 
uh, smart, badass Bitcoiners on the planet that uh, know everything about UTXOs and like they can go as deep with those clients as they would like to. But what they're doing is actually shipping the, the keys, the devices, the hardware devices, uh, treasures, ledgers, and cold cards to our clients. Once those clients receive them, they're setting up a video call and then walking the team, whether it be a sole proprietor or three or four business owners, walking them through the steps to set up those treasures. So very technically, hey, here's how you download the firmware, best practices for, for creating um, your, you know, writing down your seed phrase, hand all those things. So it's, it's the very tactical advice, but it's also operational security and understanding their business and understanding, okay, who are going to be the key holders of the for you? Who just needs read-only access to the platform? How here's how you should think about storing these keys. You want to keep them at at least two separate geographic locations. We provide a lot of consulting, um, more on the operational security side as well as the the tactical steps to set these keys up. And then client is onboarded. They've got Bitcoin in their vaults. Maybe they're buying Bitcoin. Then we've got a phenomenal client services team that supports them on an ongoing basis. So. There aren't too many Bitcoin businesses that you can actually pick up the phone and call. So we really pride ourselves on that. Like Monday through Saturday, you can call someone at Unchained and some a live personal pickup and be able to, and these are all Bitcoiners too. Like it, this is something that is um, very important to uh, the executives here at Unchained is making sure we, whenever possible, hire Bitcoiners because that really comes through. So that's how we get people comfortable. It's just like going above and beyond and having multiple teams that are, um, proactively supporting clients. And the last thing I'll say is like the, the proactive part is really, it's not something that um, we just pay lip service to. Something like UTXO management, which is getting more technical, but if we're seeing that a client has a, a large number of deposits, uh, hey, that's great. They're depositing the vault, they're using it a lot. Maybe they're accepting payments, right? And they're, but, and they're putting like a million sats in at a time. Over time, we know that when you have a lot of UTXOs or AKA a lot of deposits, it, it could create issues later on where the device may struggle to process that many UTXOs, the fees may be higher. So what we do is re proactively reach out to the client, hey, hey, notice you've got a lot of deposits stacking up here. Let's have a conversation about UTXO management and help you to create a strategy based on your business. We do the same thing with a lot of Bitcoin miners as well. Yeah, I can definitely speak to the customer service of, of Unchained. Um, you guys are incredibly responsible, uh, responsive and responsible, <laughs> incredibly knowledgeable. Um, and, and, you know, you guys, something that, that Rai from uh, Ibex was saying recently on the last, on the last podcast um, is that, you know, it's not so much that you are in sales, you know, it's more like you're, you're in the business of education because if people understood what was going on here and the services you were providing them and, and the glimpse into the future that, that they can make if they if they kind of follow along, um, it wouldn't be about sales. It would be solely about education. So you guys have, you know, gradually then, then suddenly and other, I'm sure other things. Uh, that, that's 100 percent. It's like we rarely use the, the word sales here because sales denotes a more transactional relationship. And really, like my goal individually, our team is our team's goal is um, to become partners with our clients. Like, like a lot of them might be, end up becoming friends with, you know, and really start to view them as friends first and clients second. But it's really like we're all taking this low time preference view, not only Bitcoin, but the folks we want to work with, like John, um, you know, we're only interested in really working with good clients that have that long time horizon. We're, you know, this, this model is not set up for people who are trading in and out and have that higher time preference. And if people want to do that, that's fine, but it's just not um, what our model is set up to do. So when you, you're exactly right, it's about education. It's about building trust, um, which is also kind of ironic too, but they're, even though what we're offering is completely trustless, clients hold two keys, we hold one. We also make it extremely easy for clients to leave our platform at any time. We've got an external recovery tool called Caravan um, and we've also created integrations with Sparrow and all these other tools, which all that means that clients always have control of their Bitcoin and they don't have to trust on chain. So even though it's a trustless platform, there's a tremendous amount of trust on the front end that we need to earn. And we do that through education, because when someone's coming into Bitcoin, as we all remember, it's it's overwhelming. There's too much information to process and understand counterparty risk or, or what it means to have a trustless application. 
Yeah, we speak about that a lot. The uh, the sheer amount of knowledge that's out there about Bitcoin and what there is to learn that it makes it unwieldy to first do all that and then hop in. And I think, you know, a part of the Bitcoin adoption is to take all the rough edges off of off of the tech. And uh, I thought the onboarding was super smooth with Unchained. Um, it was, you know, just kind of somebody holding your hand through it. And me and my partner did it and it was no problem at all. And I think that's super important because people will not ex- adopt Bitcoin because they know the intricacies of how it works. They will, they will first probably understand something and then they need a good experience and they need something that is uh, easy to do and that they feel secure with. And uh, I think it takes these solutions to to make it that way. It's kind of like, you know, people don't use Windows because it's the best operating system. Uh, they use it because it's a lot easier than Linux, you know, <laughs> depending. Yeah. And so it's, uh, uh, I think, I think it's going to be critical that, um, that, uh, people adopt for the right reasons. The core reasons are holding your own keys and that they can understand very easily. Uh, but nobody uses Visa because they know how it works. It just works. And uh, so these these solutions are, are pretty fantastic. Uh, and, you know, look, I don't think it's expensive either. You know, for me it was, I mean, w- w- what is it now to get on boarded? I think it was most of the fee I got back in Bitcoin anyways. Right. So for a small business, it's $3,000 as a one-time fee. And then we give 1500 of that back in Bitcoin. Uh, and then included in that fee too are the four, we ship four treasures. So even if it's two individuals, it's nice to have a backup a lot of times. So yeah, most of that we're giving back. And then in, for two users, it's $250 per year as a flat fee, which is a major difference from a lot of other custody providers, right? Where they're charging either higher fees annually or a percentage of assets under management, which um, can get really expensive because we, uh, I think we all expect Bitcoin to appreciate in price. Um, so really that's the, the pricing also reflects our, the relationship we want to have with the client is like, we want to help them uh, make it easy for them to adopt keys. We don't want that to be a big barrier. And then we want to uh, you know, continue to provide more valuable services to them that they can opt into over time. So we really don't charge much for custody. And then and, like, the other fact is that what we're leveraging is native to Bitcoin. Right? Like we're leveraging Bitcoin's open source software. Multisig is not something that Unchained created. It's just something that we're helping our clients to leverage. They could use our, uh, they can create an account for at no cost if they want to, if they're more technical, or um, they can use Caravan as a coordinator, or they can use Sparrow, again, all these other tools. So uh, largely where our value uh, comes in is you know being that third key holder. So we're taking some of that burden, that security, making it really easy for them to log in view balances, deposit, withdraw, they can download statements and you know have uh, uh, a list of all their transactions throughout the past month. Um, but really it's that education and then both on the front end and ongoing and then the service we provide, making sure that, hey, client gets a little nervous about something they because they're newer to Bitcoin, they call us, we can answer that question. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was just, uh, I was just looking up. Speaking of education, uh, I, you know, I have to plug gradually, then suddenly. So Parker Lewis's Unchained Capital blog, um, it's just a legendary blog. So for anybody listening who hasn't yet checked out Gradually Then Suddenly, it's like a, I don't know, maybe ten to twelve articles. I don't know, something like that, um, and it just addresses pretty much every concern one might have about Bitcoin. Uh, Like FUD, they say, the fear, uncertainty, and doubt. Oh, Bitcoin uses too much energy. Uh, Bitcoin is a Ponzi scheme. It's this, it's that. Parker Lewis pretty much demolishes any and every, uh, you know, negative case made against Bitcoin. Um, So again, from an education perspective, Highly recommend people people check that out. Um, so now I I would like to uh, zoom in uh, just a little bit and touch on what you were saying uh, and what we had said earlier in the podcast about how this is something that's native to Bitcoin, right? You're just making it really easy because the reality is 
it's not that easy if <laughs> if you have to do it on your own, especially if, even if you even if you know like how the wallets work and how to make your keys and how to back them up. Um, there is still room for error there. In fact, sometimes you can be your own worst enemy. Uh, like it, in the case of John, what John was saying, I mean, he, he accidentally lost the 24 words. He lost the, the device, I guess, the signing device, the hardware wallet or I don't know, maybe I'm putting words in your mouth now. But <laughs> Well, it's kind of interesting and it touches on uh what was mentioned earlier about advising clients on security. Um, I made the mistake of thinking a safe was safe because that's typically how we think about a safe. Um, and then I, <laughs> my safe got stolen with the words and with, uh, with uh, the, uh, I believe it was a Trezor Model T. And, uh, and, and then it really got me thinking, we, with Bitcoin, the conventional ways to secure your value can be fundamentally different. Um, and I, I'm curious about the conversations you have with clients because it's you don't necessarily need to put anything in a safe anymore. Uh, you can hang it on your curtain or whatever you want to do uh, and just hide it in drywall. Uh, there's so many different options. But, but yeah, for me, it was uh, I, I said, OK psychologically, I'm just going to put this in the safe and off it went. And I was like, oh, thank God we have multi-sig. And then it was quite an easy process to recover that. Um, but, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's kind of a new paradigm of how to secure your, your value. Yeah. And I think we should, we should really get down into that because so basically for those who, you know, aren't very familiar, whenever you sign a Bitcoin transaction, um, it requires the private key effectively. And so basically this these hardware devices can act as like your pen, the signing device, your signature. In fact, they're trying to kind of call them more like signers now or something as if because the hardware wallet is is just not it's not a very great name in my opinion. Um, but it's a signing device. And the only way to send Bitcoin is if your, you know, your, your signature is on that transaction on the blockchain. And then you say, hey, yes, I own this Bitcoin because this is my signature and I'm going to digitally sign it using cryptography. And that gives me permission to effectively send that transaction. Now, traditionally, in order to back up that, that signing device so that you can interact with your Bitcoin on, on the Bitcoin blockchain and send those transactions, um, you need to back up 12 or 24 words and you know let's say you write it down on a piece of paper and your house burns down bad news real bad news okay so you can but it's twofold you can have a, a hardware wallet you know a signing device with basically your 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 24 words are on there it's already registered your signature is ready to go and you could lose your 24 words that you wrote down but as long as you still have that signing device you're okay but you better you better get another 24 words because if you lose that signing device, then you're screwed, right? And so, um, like what John's saying, you know, you put it in a very safe, secure place, and then someone steals the safe. Maybe you put it, maybe you had a multi, maybe you have a multi-sig, and you go, look, I'm gonna put these two things in very secure, different places in my home, and your house burns down. Whenever you know, right now, maybe it's only like a thousand dollars or two thousand, or maybe it's a few hundred, whatever, whatever you're comfortable with. But that peace of mind to know that worst case scenario, if something happens, or near worst case scenario, I'm still going to have someone that has my back, <laughs> that it's going to have one of these keys that we can recover this. Um, and again, you could do all this on your own too. You can set up the multi-sig. You can send one over to grandma, bury it in her backyard. You can send one here, there. You can stamp it into steel plates. You can do all this. stuff. So, so now it's fire resistant, but it's not theft resistant. So, you know, you're always going to have this little voice in the back of your mind as your Bitcoin goes from 1,000 to 2,000 to 10 to 20 to a million to whatever that goes, is your Bitcoin truly safe and secure? Like, is it? And I'll tell you what. To have to redo all that stuff, I've done it before, like just in general, to have to redo it, it's a little nerve wracking, even if you really know what you're doing. So very long rant here, but effectively, like it's peace of mind, it's education, it's it's just, you know, preparing for the worst. <laughs> it's very important.
Yeah, that's well said. Like the way we think about it is is like that is that the goal of Bitcoin security should be to eliminate single points of failure. So just mean that, hey, you, you want to make sure that the way you're holding your Bitcoin, it's not possible that one bad thing can happen and you lose your Bitcoin. Like that is just unacceptable, right? If you're holding some material amount of Bitcoin, uh, you know, John, your wife would kill you, right? If you lost all the Bitcoin because one thing happened, you made a stupid mistake or your business partner, if if you guys lost a Bitcoin because um, one one unfortunate thing happened, because those things do happen. So the, if, if we're going to be holding what we believe is going to, be an asset that continues to appreciate greatly and well. So like the importance of that security grows over time. And then we want to hold it. We're saying, Hey, we want to hold this for decades. We want to pass this down to our kids. We want to, this Bitcoin is 13 years in, like, I think it's going to be around for a thousand years, 5,000 years. Like we have, we have to have a very resilient way to, to hold that. So in our view, the way you do that is use multiple keys because, you know, like you said, Michael, all Bitcoin are controlled by keys. You can either use a single key to control the Bitcoin at address, or you can use multiple keys. Multiple keys provides that redundancy, that resiliency. You want to put those keys into separate geographic locations. You want them to be offline. And then in our view, like you know, a lot of times it makes sense to have a, a third party help you to hold one of those keys. Because again, like you, you may be on uh, some sort of spectrum of, you know, Bitcoin expert or Bitcoin novice. If you have questions, we're there to help, help with key replacement. Um, and there's just a lot of things that are for people, uh, part of that learning curve. Like when you use multi-sig, you need to save a, a wallet configuration file. You need to save a, a, a file, which is not, it's not difficult to do, but you need to know that that's part of the process, right? You, you save your two keys, you save a file, those elements provide you complete sovereignty. So yeah. that's like, you know, what instances is like, Hey, it's nice to have that guide there. Like, Hey, wait, did you save that file? How, how are you storing that? And just kind of helping to make sure that uh, you're just out of his fault tolerant. Yeah, there are horror stories about that. Oh, I did my multi-sig and like I have my 24 words for this key and my 24 words for that key. And it's like, well, do you have the, uh, I guess, yeah, it's a derivation path or whatever, all this other stuff. Right, what did, the I clubs. Forget, yeah, the X, like, well, do you have that? Yep. Uh, no. Ooh. Yeah, see, you need that. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know, yeah, it's... Um, it's pretty wild. It's a wild world we live in and it's it's all so new. We get it, everyone listening. Like it's new. It's new. It's weird. Whether you're been in Bitcoin a while or you're just getting started, yeah, it's it's different. But you know, the alternative was and pretty much always has been, currently is, generally speaking, is you put it in a bank and the bank is rehypothecating it, and you don't even know. Right? And and also you don't even really control that. Once you give it to the bank, it's theirs. Like with with gold long ago. You know, executive order 612. Hey, give us all your gold. Don't worry. The dollar's as good as gold. We're good. But no one knew what was going on with that gold in the background, right? Like, were they rehypothecating it? Oh, then you have bank runs and so on. So you can basically help somebody you know, with Unchain. You're, you're helping people secure it. And almost like a, it's like a Bitcoin bank in a way, except there's like proof of reserves. There's no rehypothecation with these multi-sigs. And as the consumer, you can kind of feel get that protection and that convenience of like a banking service while still maintaining custody of your own keys. And that that's just, you know, that's incredible. That's why I've been very, very adamant about it and about very bullish about Unchained for a long time. Um, and, and it seems as though as more rehypothecation happens outside of companies like Unchained, uh, yeah, you know, more people are waking up to that. And so have you guys maybe seen an increase in interest uh, following all of these uh, what Three Arrows Capital and, and the mm -hmm. Voyager and whatever the others were of people f fleeing to safety here? We certainly have. So it was a couple months ago now that Coinbase released kind of under the radar that 10Q that the, anyone who has an account with them who's got Bitcoin on their platform is considered a general unsecured creditor. So that thing like woke a lot of people up, and I was I was pleasantly surprised that that got more widely circulated than I would have thought. And I think we had a lot of people say, "Oh my god!" Like calling us, like I need to get my Bitcoin off the exchange 
ASAP. Like I know I've been mean to do this. You know, maybe Matt and Marty have been in my ears saying, you know, not your keys, not your coins. They listen to Tales from the Crypt every week. I know I need to do this, but I've always been too scared. Like, how do I do this? I don't want to take control of it myself because I'm afraid I'm going to lose it. So then, so you really see like, that's what this model is designed to do. It's like, Hey, we've got you. We're going to help you hold your keys. You don't have to trust us. And then we, we help them to move it off from Coinbase. And then same thing, like we had the largest two, two weeks ever in terms of new vaults that were created and then new concierge onboarding packages that were purchased after that whole meltdown more recently, the three hours capital Celsius, everything like that. And, you know, sadly too, on a weekly basis, we're talking to a lot of folks that lost lots of Bitcoin on those platforms that um, some knew the risks and kept it on there. Some were just earlier in their Bitcoin journey and just didn't understand that um, you could hold Bitcoin, that it is a bearer asset or some, again, just didn't feel comfortable or didn't know before then, like an Unchained existed, or even like Acasa, which is another similar service, right? Helping people to hold their own keys. So you you do hear, unfortunately, a lot of stories where people did lose a Bitcoin. That's why these other services frustrate me. They're inevitable in a way, but it almost seems predatory, right? It's like, hey, come over here, keep your Bitcoin here. We're going to give you this yield. And um, they're not taking the approach of, in my mind, of educating their customers about the trade-offs that they're taking, why Bitcoin is different. The If you lose it, it's gone. There's no FDIC to print more Bitcoin. Um, so that's what fires us up here is the mission of like, hey, we're educating people. There are only trade-offs in Bitcoin. So if someone tells you they have the perfect solution, uh, it's just not the case. Um, but we hope we've engineered and we believe we have the, the best set of trade-offs for our clients. Well, I remember when we were considering uh, or we wanted to uh, have Bitcoin on our balance sheet, I asked uh, my buddy that orange billed me, hey, can uh, can we do this multi-sig? I think it would work really well. And uh, I said, can we do it on our own? He's like, you can. However, <laughs> and then he pointed me towards Unchained. And, uh, and then it was great. Um, and I, I wanted to tap on something you said before about, uh, you know, this distant thinking into the future of Bitcoin being around for a long time and this kind of generational thinking. And uh, in relation to multi-sig, I think as adoption occurs and as Bitcoiners become more elderly, I would imagine that this multi-sig setup would be pretty crucial for family planning and not just on the business side where relatives could, I mean, you know how that, how messy that can get when, uh, when estates are being managed. However, if you have a multi-sig setup where people need to agree on expenses and things to take care of their elderly relatives, I imagine that would be, as time uh, ticks on, a bigger and bigger piece of what you guys do. Yeah, absolutely. Because because Bitcoin is a bare asset, it's very inheritance is very tricky, right? If you're going to leave your Bitcoin on exchange, you're going to typically go through probate, or you have, certainly have to rely on a third party. If you're holding Bitcoin with a single key and you're the technical Bitcoiner, that's great. But then, how do you pass that single key on to your loved ones when you pass? But also not before you pass. Make sure your 18 year old son doesn't take that and go buy a new car. Um, you want to pass it down at the correct time. Um, so that's where multi-sig with a third party and in a, in a model we call collaborative custody is perfect. So clients hold two keys, two hardware devices. They've got a seed phrase for each. They've got those 12 or 24 words. Unchained has the third key. What they can do is they can take one of those seed phrases and put it in a safe deposit box and provide instructions to an attorney and, and have Bitcoin listed in their will or their estate plan with all the other assets and say, hey, uh, upon my death, here's where you can access the safe deposit box. Of course, they would need to provide you know, a death certificate, all those other documents to the bank to be able to access that. Now their heirs have one key and they can call Unchained. We've got the second key. We can help them to sign with those keys and move the Bitcoin, whatever they want. There's a lot of different ways they could do that, right? Or they could just give the seed, one of the seed phrases to their, their heirs while they're living and just have direct access. But there's a link there now so that their heirs can't spend that Bitcoin while they're alive, but there's a very easy path where their heirs don't have to be technical. They don't have to know a lot about Bitcoin. And it uh, happens a lot of time with, with couples too. It's like, hey, my husband or my wife, they don't know much about Bitcoin. I'm the Bitcoiner. 
you know, your, your Bitcoin is only of limited value if it doesn't live beyond you. Um, same thing in the business context too. Like we've had, uh, I've worked with businesses where, okay, one of the main key holders and the most technical person left the organization. Okay, it's not devastating because we've got uh, copies of that key within the organization. There's copies of the second key within the organization and then Unchained has that third. So that continuity um, is extremely important. Yeah, and maybe they left under uh, you know shoddy terms, or maybe they maybe right, they yeah. left angry, and you're like, shoot, <laughs> this guy is controlling everything. Um, and I, I do want to touch on a little bit how so you could, uh, in theory, put one of these in like a safety deposit box in your in your bank. Uh, and I would say specifically because it's a multisig. Uh, like let's say it was just the one key, and you're like, oh, I know the most secure place to put this, the most heavily guarded. Like let's put it in a bank, and it's like, well, you know. Be careful. So, but but the beauty of multisig too is like it allows you to maybe take a calculated risk in that way and say, yeah, we're gonna put one key here because again, it doesn't have to be two of three. It could be three of five. You can make it mm -hmm. more complicated, so you can have more redundancy in different locations. But again, you know, sometimes sometimes that that might hurt you too if you have too much complication. But I just I think that's an important thing. Like multisig allows you the ability. Like you could if you wanted, if you had the three of five, like and you have effectively a couple of like burner ones that no one can do anything with if they just have two. Cause you gotta have three of five. Like theoretically, you could have those like in some totally random location, like in your house, like on the fridge. And it wouldn't really mean anything if someone found it. Uh in fact, maybe, you know, hidden in plain sight sort of thing, right? So just kind of another interesting caveat there interesting thing yeah i'm sure a lot of people cringe when i mentioned a safe deposit box at a traditional bank but yeah when you're using multi-sig i think that is acceptable it, it, you can put in a tamper evident bag and then check it on some regularity and then you go back okay you can you can know for sure where, whether someone has viewed that one key and if they have now you can replace it but it's only one key out of the three or like you said it could be one out of the five or whatever quorum you decide to create right um, I have a story here. Uh, I was recently talking to a business owner, really great guy, smart guy, um, loves Bitcoin. He was using Voyager. He, I, you know, I don't know how long he had been in Bitcoin, but he was using Voyager. And I remember on our first call, I was like, I've never heard of Voyager. And, and that doesn't sound like a good idea. It sounds like a BlockFi. It sounds like something like that. And I'm like, you know, it's not necessarily my place to get into it. But I was like, hey, you know, I don't recommend that. I, I, but yeah, I recommend you just hold it yourself. But uh, fast forward a couple months, I hadn't heard from him for a while. And I did hear about the Voyager thing. And I heard about all this. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't even want to bring it up. Anyway, he messaged me. He reached out. He goes, hey, it's been just hectic. Uh, I was able to get everything off. But I was freaking out. I couldn't sleep. Like I, I thought I had lost everything because I think he had majority of his businesses uh, like Bitcoin holdings and it was a substantial amount on Voyager. Um, so this is real. Like now, frankly, I need to message him and be like, hey, <laughs> have you got my Unchained yet? Uh, he probably has, honestly. Uh, but, you know, this is real. Like this happens. Um, like I said, you, it might not seem like much now. But, you know, losing some Bitcoin here and there, uh, it's going to be a big deal one day. And it's easy to get complacent and just leave it on one of these things and uh, chasing yield, chasing that 20 percent yield or whatever they've, you know, drawn up. Um, you know, Bitcoin goes up on average. What is it like 100, 200 percent a year on average uh, over the over the long term? Don't pick up pennies in front of a steamroller. Do it right. You know, ride the Bitcoin wave. <laughs> Don't wipe out. Right. And yeah, that's a large part of what my conversations are like with folks is just helping them to reweight the risks associated with Bitcoin. I think a lot of times in people's mind, like the thought of them holding their Bitcoin, they, they equate it to just like immediate loss or something like that. Like, oh, I can't possibly do this. Like, I don't know. Like, hey, you can drive a car. You know how to operate a smartphone. A smartphone can is about a million times more complicated than this Trezor device, which has you know just a few different functions. Um, but they, so a lot of it is just uh, me helping them to understand when your Bitcoin's on the exchange, all the risks that it's exposed to, like just number one, 
the Bitcoin's connected to the internet 24-7. It just is. Like, that's the way you access it. You log in, you've got a username and a password, maybe two-factor authentication. That's all that's securing that Bitcoin. The lowest hanging fruit for attackers is to try to steal the Bitcoin on a, in a on an exchange. And all they need to do is get past those two forms of authentication, which are very weak, right? They can use social engineering. They can do use phishing attacks. So if you're plant, if you've got a material amount of Bitcoin, you're holding it for the long term. Like the first thing we're helping them understand is like you need to get it offline, and like that, and that is an option in Bitcoin it, that you don't have available in other assets because it's a bare asset. Um, and then like the the example of Canada we saw in the last few months, right? Like a G7 nation blocking bank accounts, blocking access to exchanges. So there's counterparty risk involved at that level too. Like the exchange could just say, "Oh, yep, John, we're not going to let you." let you uh, withdraw your Bitcoin. Like we saw a tweet that you sent and, uh, or, you know, we, we had some tacos that weren't really great. Now your tacos are phenomenal. That wouldn't actually happen. But, uh, you know, all of a sudden decided, hey, we're not going to provide you access to your Bitcoin. So there's a whole host of risks associated with holding on the exchange that are far greater than holding it yourself, especially if you take some time to either partner with the right firm like Unchained or just dig in and do the work to understand how to hold it safely. And I think there's some uh, false senses of security with uh, these authentication methods. Um, for example, I have a buddy that that had his uh, Bitcoin on Coinbase, and he woke up one morning and his phone was not working. So he goes into the telephone shop, and it turns out he had been SIM swapped, and they had received the SMS two-factor authentication and transferred all of his Bitcoin away. And so... Yeah. You know, whether it's email or SMS, uh, I have uh, an open source uh, two-factor authenticator with Unchained, and and it's I don't have to trust anybody. It's uh, you know, it's I I'm big into digital privacy, so I run Graphene OS, and I've got this, and so like uh, it's uh, it's less convenient, but uh, convenience is the the antithesis of security, so. I, you know, I, I think that that is pretty irresponsible at this day and age to have SMS two-factor authentication and no more capabilities. So I think it lures people in to saying, OK, well, I'm going to get an, a text message, even if my password is compromised and I'm still good. But that's not the case at all. That's a great point. Another one that comes to mind is whitelisting. So there was a, there's a firm IRA Financial that's based out of South Dakota. And they, there's a sophisticated attack that happened to them last year. That I think they lost like $33 million of client funds. I can't remember the exact figure, but the attackers called in a threat to the building. So the SWAT team came to their offices, evacuated the entire team while the team was outside in the parking lot, then virtually attacked them and drained clients' funds. And a lot of those clients had uh, accounts that were whitelisted. So I, I, again, that's another kind of a, a false sense of security that folks have like, oh, well, I put these, these settings on here and these restrictions. So my Bitcoin can only move to this address or within this time of time delay. Like, no, like if you hackers can figure out a way around that, there's just no substitute for holding your own keys, holding them offline. And it's not that hard to do. It's, it's just like, these are new tools for a new type of asset there's, there's few things more important than protecting your wealth. So, uh, you know, sometimes I, you get that pushback like, oh, people aren't going to hold their own keys. It's too difficult. They're not going to figure out how to use it. Like, I, I don't agree with that at all. Like transportation, figuring out how to drive a car is immensely valuable to you because look what that, the freedom that enables you or your smartphone, like that provides tremendous value. It's not necessarily easy to learn from the start, but you figure it out. And it's even much simpler with the coin keys. Right. Yeah. And I, uh, this, this keeps popping in my head. There's a book called the nomad capitalist and I'd read it and like three quarters of the book is all about jurisdictional arbitrage and like being able to have all these offshore banks to prevent, you know, one point of central failure. And, you know, the other quarter of the book was good, but three quarters of the book was about this banking stuff and all the nuance of it. The Bitcoin solved it's solved. And it's just so interesting how, like, like you said, like it's so important and so like transformative. People are going to learn how to do it, and you know, companies like yours are just helping them along, holding their hand. 
uh, you know, so, hey, like like a driving instructor. Hey, you look, you want to you want to get in this thing and, you know, go anywhere and go fast instead of this horse. Well, you got to have like driving lessons. <laughs> you know, you got to learn how to drive. That's kind of what you guys are doing in a way, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like Will Cole, our chief product officer, has got one of the best analogies. There. He's like, yeah, like you get in a car, you don't know what you're doing. You can do a lot of damage to yourself or others. But if you have an instructor sitting there next to you, takes you through some lessons, now it's immensely valuable and you know how to keep yourself safe. Like same thing here in terms of private keys. Yeah, and we're so early with technology and with how it's developing. So it's uh, people will start to understand what this means. And I think probably out of necessity, I mean, we still see the the Dow Jones at 30 something thousand dollars, which to me is astonishing. I mean, they're really kicking that can. But when all of these other traditional stores of value start failing, uh, I anticipate we're going to see a wave uh, going towards sound money. Uh, and it's it, it may even be an overwhelming situation. I mean, it's it, it could be that there's a queue a mile long uh, to to sign up for for these types of services that are easy and secure. Yeah, and I have a, I have a, I have a question. I want to take this in a little different direction. Um, so I've always, I haven't figured this out. I haven't learned this. And if, if you're not able to answer this, that's fine. What happens, or, or are there any things in place, Cam, where, let's say, let's say the government, okay, so like Unchained loans, right? Unchained loan is because Unchained gives me the dollars. I give them the Bitcoin as collateral, so I don't have to sell my Bitcoin, and I have one key, and then Unchained has one key, and then the third party, I guess the loan servicer or something like, has another key, something like that. Is, and that's a totally different scenario, by the way, than generally what we've been talking about, where you have two of three and Unchained has one. Is there any sort of legal precedence or any sort of thing like, could the government be like, 6102 the Bitcoin and hey, you have a key, you have a key, and I only have one. Could they get those two people together? Is there anything that's available, any information available in that in that respect? Hmm. Hey, boy. So if it was a 6102 attack on Bitcoin, you know, Unchained, the state of Texas would view that as unlawful, right? Like trying to confiscate a citizen's property um, unlawfully. So, uh, you know, a lot. What a, a large part of um, not only change efforts, but just kind of the broader community here in Texas is to educate our our politicians in the state. Right, as much as Bitcoiners may not like working with politicians, but whether it be um, Governor Abbott or Senator Cruz or many of the other representatives here, is helping them to understand Bitcoin so that if some draconian legislation does come from the federal government that it won't just be like unchained pushing back against the federal government. It will be the state of Texas saying, Hey, <laughs> and that it's a reason that we're strategically positioned in Texas. Uh, you know, part of it just happened organically with the co-founders uh, being here in Texas. But um, the reason it's continued to be here is strong private property rights, a history of independence. So you can imagine uh, a scenario where like, wait a minute, you're trying to take these clients, Bitcoin, they're, abiding by all the regulations that were previously established and they have all the licenses to uh, to issue these loans. So in that scenario, okay, let's say that the third key holder, the, the independent third party, it's a firm based out of New York. It was founded by former BNY Mellon executives. Um, let's say that they abdicate their key. Well, now our client has a key and then we have a key. So we're still in the driver's seat here. We, we would not be um, just giving over our key and say, oh, okay, these are the new rules. We would engage with our attorneys. We would push and fight back. So I understand that's a situation where clients would need to trust how we would act in that scenario. Um, but the reality is that if if uh, a client wants to take out a loan, they can't have the dollars and the Bitcoin. They can't have complete control of the Bitcoin. The best we feel we can do is provide them one out of three keys. So it's one out of three keys and then just kind of understanding our stance on on that type of issue like we're, we're in it that's that's why you should also use companies uh, like oshi you should use companies run by bitcoiners because at the end of the day bitcoiners there's gonna they're gonna draw a line in the sand and they say that violates the constitution that violates our, our rights we're not going to put up with that and then the people who hold the keys are in the driver's seat they have the option 
if you know Bitcoin gets banned, you have Bitcoin on exchange, you don't even have the option at that point, right? That the option's been removed. Exactly. I know that was a super loaded question, but I also no, that was great. I was very confident you guys have a very good answer for that too. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a loaded question, but no, I mean that's just you know that's something that I've that I've considered, and and yeah, I think you're right. I mean, you guys almost have you guys have an incentive and a, and a duty to your to your um, to your customers, effectively your your partners, uh, to make good and and see all that through. And you're right. I mean, you guys are. Uh, you know, very ideological and in, in, in a good way that the Bitcoin ideology and that goes a long way. I really do. I really do think so. I'm curious from and, your perspective. I think a good, oh, just, just a, one more quick comment on that. In the last two years, right, we saw um, the federal government and then states react to COVID in all sorts of different ways. But you saw pushback from Texas and Florida and many other states to mandates or proposals that were coming from the federal government. So I think there's a nice analog there to see like, okay, when when there's a perception or when rights are being infringed upon, that all 50 states aren't going to just roll over, that they're going to have their voice, their own opinion, and that people are moving to, the, to different states so that they can uh, kind of be more prepared for those types of situations going forward. So I think you, you can kind of understand how draconian Bitcoin regulation would play out on the federal level. And do you think um, the awareness and education of politicians or decision makers is increasing and is it increasing quickly or or is it, you know, sometimes I've had an opportunity to speak with a couple of politicians and, and it was a mixed bag. Uh, some were incredibly enthusiastic and wanted to learn more and others, uh, you could tell they just didn't get it, which I understand because it's sometimes hard to get. But um, I hope that the awareness of sound money and the, the, the problems in society due to money printing is becoming uh, more apparent. It's over the last year, I, I, I do believe that uh, Senator Ted Cruz is really starting to understand it. Now, like, I, I heard him speak at the um, Texas Blockchain Summit last year, last fall, and at that time, he seemed to get a little bit more, but he was still kind of parroting some lines. And we had heard him, he was on the Senate floor talking about Bitcoin a little bit before that. And that sounded very canned, but then I've heard him more recently. And now it seems like fired up, like he gets it. He's kind of matching what's going on with all the money printing to, okay, here's this thing, Bitcoin. And he disclosed that he bought some. So there's an example of someone who I, I truly believe, like, I know controversial figure, but someone who's, who's falling down the rabbit hole. Um, there are other folks like, maybe Governor Abbott, I'm not sure he really understands it yet, but what he does understand, they understand jobs, right? Like, wow, look at all the jobs that a Riot Blockchain or Core Scientific or Argo or uh, even you know, Unchained or Anoshi, like all the, all the entrepreneurs and all the brilliant technical minds come into Austin for this Bitcoin thing, whatever this is. So they're thinking, okay, wow, this is great. Look at all these jobs. Um, and it's something that they can, um, so we have to be kind of aware because they can glob onto it. They want to, okay, look like the uh, tech forward politician, but you know, there's some real serious work being done. And, and um, Joe Kelly has been a lot involved in a lot of that, our CEO and Parker Lewis as well. I know there's uh, uh, there's uh, a part of the legislation being put forward now to enshrine the right for Texas to hold Bitcoin, to hold Bitcoin private keys. So there are, there's a lot of great work being done, but, uh, still a long way to go for sure. That's awesome. That's really exciting. I, I was actually watching a clip of Ted Cruz from the Texas blockchain, uh, conference. Uh, and yeah, I mean, whether or not he truly believes what he's saying, uh, damn, does he speak well to it? <laughs> like, you know, and I, yeah, either he's an incredible actor, which I guess politicians are by definition. Um, <laughs> But he, yeah, that wouldn't seem more genuine, doesn't it? And you know, he spent three days at the Empower Conference down in Houston, sitting down with Bitcoin miners face to face. So that's more of a that was more of a signal to me. Like that's a more out of the way conference. Um, and if you're talking Bitcoin miners, like these are some serious salt of the earth people, no BS type people. So yeah, I think some people are definitely getting it. Yeah, at the very least, he's getting in with the right crowd, I think. <laughs> you know, for sure. Yeah. But hey, again, the incentives are there uh, for politicians to hop on board, too. Like, Bitcoin's for everyone. 
whether they are doing it solely to, you know, drop some drum up some votes or whatever or not. Like, hey, they're now part of the Bitcoin network, <laughs> whether they realize it or not. And that'll that'll get the flywheel going, right? That's right. Well, I guess uh, we're coming up on an hour here. So, um, you know, I guess I, I want to make kind of, we'll kind of do some closing thoughts. Um, if either you, one of you want to kick it off, otherwise I can take it. Yeah, I'll go for it. Um, I just really highly recommend small business, families, uh, different groups of people to look at Unchained. It's been awesome for us. And uh, you definitely want to keep that Bitcoin safe and peace of mind. And it's um, you know, a great group of people become friends with i think probably most of the company so uh i'll say it every podcast you know the bitcoin scene is uh some of the greatest people with uh like-minded interests diverse group of people so it's uh, it's really enjoyable and you get a, a a great support and education well thanks for the kind words john and thanks so much for to, to you both for having me on and um giving the opportunity to let more people know about Unchained. And that's what fires me up every day is really just helping people to hold their own Bitcoin keys. Like, cause it's, you see the light bulbs go on, you see this, I'm kind of aware like, wow, I can truly hold this own asset myself, not depend on anyone else. Like it's, it's really empowering for business owners. So uh, it's something that I love doing every day. So please feel free to reach out to me or get in contact through Michael or John. And we'd love to have a conversation with anybody about how you can safely hold your own Bitcoin private keys. Awesome. Yeah. And, you know, I, something that's been on my mind through this podcast is, you know, there have been millions, they estimate millions and millions of Bitcoin that has been lost. Never, you know, you, you can't, you can't search the ocean floor for this thing and hope you get lucky. Like this is gone, uh, more or less, you know, maybe you can brute force some of it, but it's gone. Um, and so, you know, just just keep that in mind as, you know, if you're listening to this and you don't yet hold your keys, there is a graveyard of Bitcoin in years past from people who, you know, were holding their own keys and it was lost. It was lost on an exchange due to a hack or one of the guys uh, that ran the exchange also ran off with the Bitcoin. So just keep that in mind, you know, <laughs> reflect on that. Realize that not only is it easier than ever to hold your own keys, but there is a helping hand uh, with Unchained Capital, Casa, others that 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 are there for you to you know give you that instruction as you sit in the driver's seat of this of this car for the first time. Um, so with that, Cam Stromy, thank you so much. Uh, you're doing awesome work, uh, and and I really think it's it's going to grow dramatically like i'm stoked that you're doing this so thanks oh one one last thing do you one last question right we're not it's not over yet do you guys plan on having any sort of incentives for people who refer people to uh, unchained capital because I, I know i've referred a bunch of people to unchained i know others that have is there anything like possibility of that happening in the future of like a referral bonus thing Yes. So it's one of our top priorities right now for Michael Tanguma, our VP of growth. He's working on instituting a referral program paid in Bitcoin, naturally. So um, can't give it a timeline yet, but uh, we recognize it's something that a lot of clients ask for. When we have, do have so many great clients who tell all their friends and their family, and their grandma about us. So, yes, working very hard to ship that. Excellent. Yeah, I've, I've just seen that firsthand. Business owners talking to other business owners, family members talking to other family members. Uh, this is grassroots, bottom up, not top down at the end of the day. So yeah, that's that's really exciting. Well, again, thank you so much for coming, Cam. Awesome to have Thanks you. Thanks a lot, Michael. Thanks, John. Thank you. Great to have you. Until next time.